0: Log Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. Time. A new show called G's Power. G's power. Real talk for real strength Are you ready? And it's for real.
1: All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. Dee's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour I Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And our career week continues. We are, you know, we know that the kids may not be listening, but, you know, you all know what you have in terms of your sons and daughters, nieces and nephews, cousins, little friends, whatever, neighbors. Um, and, and you see potential in them, and you kind of want to help maybe steer them in the right direction. And so we've been sharing different uh, people that we've had on the show previously or new in, in their career paths and also different programs that might be available. So we continue that. We are happy to welcome back Dr. Kenneth Sean Kaplan with us to share his story. Good morning, Dr. Kaplan. How you doing?
0: Good morning. How are you doing, G?
1: I'm doing well, doing well. Blessed to have you back here. Thank you so much. So, thank you
0: so much for having me.
1: Where do we begin with you?
0: <laughs> oh, well, thank you for your email. I had a list of uh, list of things that you asked me to talk about, and I sort of made a list. I put it together. So uh, some of the things just to let your listeners hear uh, about your email is how I got started in my career path, um, mm-hmm. what am i um, what am i glad that i did uh what mm-hmm. could i have done differently and of course how students should prepare in terms of course selection selection of internships etc so uh i'm ready to discuss all of these beginning i guess with the first one how did i get started on my career path so Okay. And before uh, you
1: do that, let's, let's enlighten everybody, because you've been on to talk about a couple of subjects. We've talked about, um, you know, sports. We've talked about mm-hmm. um, challenges with our African-American young men and other things. Mm-hmm. So give us some insight in terms of what, what, what you do now, and then we can go forward. Okay.
0: okay. Uh, I'm a assistant professor of sociology. Um, my focus is on sports and race and ethnical relations at John Carroll University in University Heights, Ohio. That's a sort of a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. So I've been teaching there for the past five 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 and a half years. Um, it was one of the first jobs that I got out of graduate school. And uh, it's been a good, a good opportunity for me uh, after b- obtaining my PhD at Texas A&M University and in College Station. So I went all the way across the country. Uh, but it has been a good, a good uh, career move, a good career path. Um, okay. Uh, so,
1: w- where did it begin? What triggered you? How did how did you know uh, what it was that you wanted to do, or that you thought well, you knew what you wanted to do? Uh,
0: well, I, I, uh, I remember coming across a text in college, uh, "The Miseducation of the Negro" by Carter G. Woodson, right. And uh, in there he talked about sort of historical family backgrounds and what that means in terms of growing up uh, as a a black individual within the United States at a particular time. And he said a lot of us were raised to be either teachers or preachers, right? And so the teacher or preacher sort of uh, template was one that uh, I kind of knew fit my experiences in life because I was raised – in, in the church, I had very godly parents. I was very interested in helping others and providing instruction, both, uh, you know, related to particular skills as well as spiritual instruction. Um, and I saw myself in either one of those path, path, uh, pathways as a sort of career opportunity. I thought I would probably be a minister, but if not, I knew I would probably be doing something and related to education, probably more specifically teaching. So that uh, coming across that text made sense of my life, made sense of many of the lives of uh, people of color, particularly African Americans, that I have come in contact with in graduate school. Many of them are coming from very godly homes, and, of course, they've, they've tried to advance in society by obtaining their education. So it wasn't... Uncommon for me to find out that the other two or three black people in my cohort or in my in my program that they were also very deeply rooted and invested in uh, in the church. So that makes some sense um, So I, I didn't exactly know how that would happen um, I, I didn't know that I would be a collegiate lecturer or professor um, I knew I wanted to teach probably high school. My older sister is a high school teacher. Uh, my younger sister, she also taught uh, in college. She taught math in college. And, of course, I, I also taught in uh, middle school and high school before going back to do my Ph.D. So the experience was there in the family. It was there um, with, with, again, the broader community in which we were raised. Um, particularly as young people pursuing our education. Um, But it was when I walked into, I think it was my second semester in college, and it was a big lecture hall, and I was a little bit late. Uh, I had to commute, which was uh, about an hour, um, from South Florida going northward to Boca Raton to Florida Atlantic University, where I obtained my, my bachelor's and my master's. But I walked into that, that lecture hall everybody was furiously writing and they were all taking notes and I was kind of stressed, I was late. I just sort of took a deep breath and I sat down and the lecturer, the professor, was standing there and he watched me take my seat and just sort of paused. And he says, Well, I let everybody get settled and they all paused and then he began to talk again and they all started writing scribbling things down on paper and i said wow i would never i've never seen anything like that it was like everything he was saying at that moment was gold and every student it must have been 300 students in the class and i said i want to do that right and i was i didn't know how that was going to happen i didn't know if that was ever going to happen i thought i'd be in a class maybe of 30 but um to see somebody command A room like that and to write down everything Uh, you know today students take pictures on their phones they do all kinds of things they don't pay attention but back then we had pen and paper and they were taking notes the best they could with everything that was coming out of his mouth and I said that person has power that person is important what they're saying is important so that sparked that sparked my journey uh, again to the Continue my education to become a professor, so um, and of course, all of that happened with the help of numerous people because I don't think anybody gets through college or even graduate school without the help of others. It's just not it's not possible to do it by yourself, so uh, that journey uh, I have many people that I have to thank for the opportunity. To obtain my PhD as well as uh, employment in my field. Um, so, uh, just a sidebar uh, with that. Uh, be wary of all of these sort of these TikTok hacks that are going around, saying that it's easy. Uh, you know, put money here, sign up for my course, you too can make 10k in a month. <laughs> you have to be very wary of that. I understand that that's a motivation for young people in terms of choosing a career path, but. If it's just money you're after, uh, you, you may find yourself very empty at the end of the road. So, and also, if it's money you're after, you don't necessarily have to go to college. That's not necessarily uh, necessarily uh, a required path if you are interested in money, uh, especially fast money. But um, but it's important you have a vision for your career, uh, a, a, a vision that, of course, is going to be reflective of a deeper value. Uh, and so if it's just money, uh, you're going to act and pursue that in a different kind of way uh, if that is your vision, if that is your desire, then if you are interested in perhaps helping people, teaching, um, uh, if, if you like the outdoors, um, if, if you like puzzles and games, uh, if you like uh, sort of something related to structural engineering in terms of building things or even electrical or if you're interested in computers, all of those things are important. It's important that you understand that that vision can lead you into a career path, and it's important that you choose certain routes as you're pursuing that career that can set you up for success. um, All of that's important uh, in figuring out your career path. Um,
1: Okay, so so, where did the subject matter choice come in in terms of, you uh, know, now that you've decided you, you know, you want to open and educate young minds, how did you select your subject matter?
0: Uh, Well, the course that I walked into, it was a guest lecturer that came in. I think he was somebody from a prestigious university, and he was at Florida Atlantic talking about his book, his latest book. He was on the circuit. And he was talking about something about African philosophy. And our professor at the time said, all right, we're gonna, we have somebody here that's come from such and such university. Today we're going to sort of shift. And here he was. The interesting part of the sort of racial journey is it was this black prof- professor, scholar, talking to almost 300 white kids. And then I come in late as a person of color. And he paused and he took a moment and he let me find my seat and get settled. And I, th- I guess he could have saw that I was a little kind of uh, flustered. But when he started talking about, he went, all right, let's get back to the subject. And he started talking about African philosophy. And, I, and all these students were writing. I was both amazed at his subject matter as well as mm-hmm. the students, students uh, how they were so attentive to what he was talking about. And again, our professor said something like, if nothing at all, this is the highlight of the semester. If you take away anything. So he was a big name somebody, and they knew that, okay, he's here. He's talking about something. We're sure this is going to be on the test. Let's do our best to do that. So that was powerful, uh, seeing this this African person uh, talking to all of these white students. And then... um, his quick momentary connection with me and to even see that I was flustered in the middle of a lecture and he let me take my seat. I was like, okay. Uh, He paused and then he went right back and he went deep and he he went around from Europe and Africa and the connection with the the East and the West and uh, uh, colonialism. It was was all, uh, it was just, uh, for me, it was powerful and it was exciting and it was, uh, it was interesting. Um, so yeah. know, the subject matter fell in line with all of that.
1: Yeah, because you know I'm thinking about it now. He he could have, as some professors will, he could have called you out. You know, he could have
2: yeah. just
1: made you feel yeah. a little bit small about you know getting there late and you know. Yes. Um. Then, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's like he probably knew that was not going to help you. Um, uh, you were yeah, not going to be uh, attentive if, if you know, you, all you were going to be thinking about is, you know, how bad you felt and how all eyes may have been on you and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he just took the time to, to just, you know, you know, let you settle in and, and you know, work through whatever it is you were feeling and then just keep going, yeah. you know, and let letting you know, you know, we're still going to go forward, and it's up to you whether or not you, you know, you, you're ready to, you know, come, you know, keep up and keep going, you yeah. know, from that
0: point. Uh, I will yeah. admit uh, he uh, he was very gracious and forgiving uh, for me being a, a few minutes late as, as he started the lecture, and um, I also have taught at the HBCU Prairie View A&M University right around Houston, Texas, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been known to call out students that have come to my class late, and uh, I know the role sheet, and after, of course, uh third or fourth week, I begin to know students, and I also have said when a student comes in, Mr. So-and-so or Ms. So-and-so, nice of you to join us, uh, and, and they know at that point, they're like, oh, Dr. Tyler, I said, no need to explain. Uh, just let's, let's uh, uh, you know, let's tighten up a little bit on our time. Uh and so, but yes, you're right. Uh, and those kind of things may happen at the HBCU, the sort of uh, the cultural, different kind of cultural engagement instructors there may have with their students, that it's a soft call out. It's nothing to, again, demoralize or demean them in a significant kind of way, just something to remind them that class starts at a certain time. It's important that you should be here. And it's, you know, um, where. And so glad that you can make it. <laughs> you know that kind yeah. of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek uh, out. But uh, yeah, and yeah. it's
1: important for yeah. us too that that we we have to be mindful of that because we get get stereotyped. You know, always late uh-huh. and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's something that yeah. we do have to kind of watch and and be mindful of. So we're going to take a quick break. We are here with dr. Kenneth Sean Chaplin he is the assistant professor of sociology and criminology at John Carroll University if you have questions or comments the number is 516-387-1944 G's power hour I've never had it so good entertainment we'll be right back
2: over the past 60 years Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged but when it comes to beauty everything changed together we redefined beauty we said no to stereotypes and
1: yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next
2: 60 years. Hi, I'm Tim Garris. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the yard with you. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on k Radio. Are you
1: chillin'? Good morning. Welcome back to Gee's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host Gee. Thanks so much for being with us today here with Kenneth Sean Chaplin. He is the uh professor of sociology and criminology at John Carroll University and like I said if you have questions the number is 516-387-1944. So, just you know, we we never know what it is that's going to trigger us to kind of look forward, you know, maybe you know, remind us that we're on the right track, or gives us an opportunity to change course. So, mm-hmm. you know, so that was that was monumental and, and pivotal for you. So then, how did yeah. you proceed from there?
0: Uh, so, um, there's a list of things that I wish I'd done differently, much more than uh, what I happen to have done right. Uh, okay. What I did write was that uh, I was, of course, I was raised by a godly, godly parents, and so um, I was humble in in the educational setting to begin with, and I was very vulnerable as I talked with my professors and I asked them questions. Um, uh, before I was to graduate, I remember going to. Uh, a professor's office. A professor that told me he thought I was in, thought I was intelligent. I should think about graduate school. I didn't know uh, much about grad. I didn't know anything about graduate school. Um, and he asked me, Well, what do you want to do? You're about to graduate. I said, I'd like to be, a, you know, I'd like to be a college professor like you. I, you know, I really enjoy your classes and stuff. And, and he goes, Oh, is that so? And he said, Well, okay. Well, you have to go to graduate school. And I sort of looked and I said. Uh, I have to do more school, and he was sort of he sort of looked at me bewildered i I thought you graduated college with a bachelor's and you began to i, I guess read a bunch of stuff and become an expert in your field. I had no idea that you had to do a master's and a p te- i had no idea that there was much more school involved so uh, he was very gracious and he realized at that point that i um, i didn't he knew where I was coming from i should say in a split moment uh, of making that remark. So I was vulnerable, um, and I was open to any instruction or direction that he, he had. And he, he asked me if I've done an internship, and I had not. And he said, well, well uh, you need to do an internship. It'll set you up for more opportunities in the future. And I said, okay, how, how did that work? I mean, I, I had really no, I, I'd just taken classes, Taken a lot of classes. Um, I didn't meet with my advisor. I took classes based upon my interest. I had gone to college actually for a year longer than was necessary because I had taken electives outside of any sort of um, any sort of course plan. And when I realized I had enough credits, I said, "Well, I'm getting ready to graduate." And then uh, he asked me if I applied, and I said. I didn't know I had to apply. I thought they have all of my records. They're like, no, you have to apply. So they said, go talk with your advisor. I went, talk to my advisor? My advisor said, you don't have enough courses in this major. Yes, you have the credits, but your credits are all over the place. So it took me another year to graduate. So uh, all of those things were wrong, Uh, but I was open to instruction and direction uh, that helped me get on a better path. What I wish I would have done differently is – I would have considered the courses I was taking. Um, I would have considered them within the context of thinking about a career or a preference for a career. Um, I would have also, even before thinking about that, I would have made a list of my interests, things that uh, I liked or things that I thought I was good at. Would, um, and those kind of things would have helped me realize that, um, that, that the pathway uh, could have been much shorter, um, so, but, um, and I also wish I would have, uh, researched some of the industries that I was, uh, trying to get into. I didn't know that I was going to go into higher ed and I didn't know how competitive it was. Um, and so had I known, had I known what I know now, I may not have done it all over again, but I'm, I'm pleased that it all worked out of course with the help and guidance of others. But, um, just knowing how competitive it is and the chances to, uh, to finish and then to obtain employment as an assistant professor, those odds are very slim. And there's been a few articles that I looked at while I was looking for a job as an assistant professor. And they said, when you graduate, each person may, in their lifetime, be offered an opportunity at an institution, to become uh, a professor, to start their career as an assistant professor. That usually happens maybe once in a person's lifetime if they're lucky. <laughs> I did not know that mm. those were the odds. You know, for these people that have gone from, let's say, from Princeton to Harvard, to, these are elite sort of superstars that are well-published and they're, they're networked. But of all the other people that have graduated with a Ph.D. uh, in the social sciences in my field, to land a job and to land an opportunity to be offered that, um, they're very, very rare. And uh, people usually step outside of the academic track and pursue something uh, with their Ph.D. because they have been unsuccessful in finding that kind of employment. I don't know. Again, it's, just, it's just very, very challenging. So uh, I would have reviewed qualifications uh, mm-hmm. if I said, you know, if I wanted to be a college professor, well, what do I need to do? And then if you told me back then that I would have been in school as long as I had been in school, I would have said, no, I'm not doing that. But, um, <laughs> Sometimes I, it's better would, not say, knowing. No. Yes, yeah, it's better <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just so glad to have been accepted into a program, and they said, "Okay, uh, you're a PhD student." I mean, it was such a huge accomplishment to to get into the program, but I had no idea how difficult it was to complete the program, <laughs> uh, and and of course to fulfill all of the requirements, to go before your professors and uh, defend. Uh, This thing called comprehensive examinations, which are are comprehensive based upon the course content. And there's a list of readings that you're required to read. And they ask you uh, a couple questions, and you have to write. Uh, So I I wrote for a week. I must have wrote about 75, 80 pages um, in a week answering questions. Um, And, again, this is what they do in my field. This is what quite a few uh university, this is sort of the template. So I didn't know I could do that. Uh, and, uh, and speaking with all of my other peers, they're like, at some point we all have a breakdown, and then we stop. We don't know if we can do it, and then we sort of get it together, and we have to pull it together. We sketch an outline. We begin to fill in the outline with things we know. We begin to talk about how those things pertain to the question and how – so it's this uh this process uh we have broken down had i known i i would not have chosen that path but um but i'm glad that i did because um i'm very uh, fortunate to do what i do because i love what i do and um uh, that vision for wanting to do it and to wanting to know the subject matter wanting to teach the subject matter. Was much deeper and much stronger than money, much stronger than than, uh, you know material possessions. It was just something that I just I wanted to do, Um, and so that held me um, closer to finishing, and it held me accountable, um, you know, to to doing and completing all of those tasks. Right, so really wanted to do it.
1: Um, uh, It's important. Yeah, yeah. How how um, when you made your decision um, did you what kind of feedback did you get from your folks?
0: Uh, well, coming from a, a okay a family again that's migrants uh, from uh, Jamaica. My uh-huh. father, once I finished college, he was like, "It's time to get a job. It's time for you to chip in and contribute to the family," and and that, mm. that's totally understandable because you've already had the privileged opportunity to go to college. So when I told him I wanted to go to more college, he was like, for what? What are you going to do with more right? And so my mother was supportive um, uh, when I went into a master's program, and she's like, you know what, that's good. You know, you always want to have more skills because the more skills you have means the less you have to take from particular employers. You can use those skills. Uh, today we call them transferable skills with your people Mm -hmm. skills and you can always find employment if you have skills so you're less likely to take some sort of, uh, how do you say, rough uh, behavior and rough attitudes if you have acquired a set of skills. You can move. You don't have to stay. You don't have to do the things as my mother would say, you better get your education so you don't have to do what I have to do to take care of you Which means that she had very tough days at work, and mm-hmm. she's like, I, "I cannot quit. I have you on, uh, you know. So I have to do what I have to do." So she's like, "Get your education, so you don't have to do what I have. You can change. You can move. You can have options if you have your education." So that that was important. To me. And then when I got into the PhD program, uh, my father, of course, one who was like, "It's time for you to get a job." And he, Told his friends and stuff. Yeah, he's doing his PhD. Yeah, he's doing that. so it became a moment of of great pride, and of course, uh, being migrants again, the idea that you have children that have come that are maxing out the educational system is to show that whether or not I was able to obtain employment with a high income, that I was highly educated and I had taken advantage of the educational system in the country. So. He was uh he was very happy to say to his friends and stuff. Yeah, he's he's doing his PhD. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately he did he didn't live long enough to see me graduate, but he was he was happy and pleased that mm-hmm. I was support I was supporting myself and doing my PhD. I think that was the best part of doing the PhD is that I I had to go off, I had to leave Florida uh to mm-hmm. go to another state to to uh, I, I knew that I needed a different kind of focus, a, a different kind of shift, and I mm-hmm. didn't think that I could do that kind of rigorous training in my same neighborhood where I w- was growing up. It was just too, um, there's too many distractions. So I, I think uh-huh. it's an important thing for students to go off to college and then after you finish college uh, and you're deciding to do graduate school, it's important you make another shift. And so the sole reason for being in that environment is the pursuit of that degree, right? So you, you can meet friends along the way. Usually those friends will be people pursuing similar goals. So now you have a small group of people, all of you trying to pursue this thing. And so then the networking begins, then the collaborations begin, right? So you have to be uncomfortable, to achieve something like that right you have to separate yourself in order to be able to grow and advance like that so that was necessary for me and I don't think if I would if I would have stayed in my environment where I'd done my bachelor's and master's at Florida Atlantic which was a great place I don't know if I could have pushed through a PhD at the same institution with all of the distractions around me so, so. Okay.
1: Well, we're going to take a quick break. We are here with Dr. Kenneth John Chaplin. We are talking. This is Career Week, by the way, on G's Power Hour. We are giving you all an opportunity to learn about the different career paths, the different people we've had on the show and new people, um, and just so that while you're helping your, your students, you know, school starts here in a, about a week or so, week and a half, um when when you 're getting them ready you you 'll kind of when you hear them talk about different things or or if they you see they have particular talent or are leaning a certain way, you know you may get some ideas in terms of how to assist them in terms of selecting courses or selecting internships or selecting part time jobs or, or you know making connections you 'll be able to to have some kind of insight in terms of, you know, how, how things may develop in, in the different children. So this is Dee's Power Hour on Never Have So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At Our Gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call Our Gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email OurGatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event.
2: Dedicated to serving our families.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had It so good entertainment. I am your host G. Thanks so much for being with us today. By the way, y'all, it's still hot out there and you it may seem like it's not as hot. It because it's getting a little overcast and stuff like that. Please go fuel up, drink some water, you know, get <laughs> make sure that air conditioner and fan are working and, and step inside, you know, and, and take a take a minute to cool off, all right? You know, no we don't want any heat strokes, all right? So, yeah. in the meantime, we are back with Dr. Kenneth Sean Chaplin, and if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. So, um <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean yeah. our our family friends, parents, they they mean well, Uh, And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's good to follow them, but sometimes you you have to be careful because a lot of times, you know, they have their own agendas too. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know, and also it's not necessarily they have their own agendas. You're in a transitional phase sometimes when you're going Mm. off to school, high school, college, whatever, and they don't necessarily know sometimes, especially if you're the first kid. How to tra- or the only kid how to transition mm-hmm. along with you into in terms of that next phase, so you know mm-hmm. we just want to give you some insight in terms of you know students you know that what they're going through and then also let give you some tools to kind of help them out in terms of selecting mm-hmm. uh career choices and especially if they can find a career path. Um, something that they enjoy, that they love. And, and we, we, you know, this, mm-hmm. we've, this is our third interview this week, and everybody, including Dr. Chaplin, has talked about, um, you know, how they really enjoy what they do. And that's mm-hmm. important. That is really important. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. let you continue. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt.
0: Uh, no problem. No problem. Uh, for young students, uh, I guess in high school even those in college, it's important that you make a list of your interests and your talents. And so as you think about those things, uh, a career path should come to your mind with regards to considering any one of those preferences. So again, it doesn't have to be a traditional kind of list where you're thinking about the necessary kind of requirements to, in terms of course load. But what do you like to do, right? Do you like to cook? Uh, do you like to teach, uh, do you like, um, do you like medicine? Do you like the service side of medicine? Do you like working with people? Do you like communications? Do you like journalists? Are you a good writer? Do you like to write? Uh, or do you like to read? Uh, you know, all of these become important. And as you, as you compile a list of those kind of things, look for sort of themes in between all of the things and there you will find yourself, there you will find your passion, there you may find your vision. And so all of that can be supplemented before we talk about how to select courses. It's important that you consider volunteering or interning. Uh, And despite what people have to say, oh, you're interning there, how much are they paying you? Don't worry about if your internship is paid or unpaid. Oftentimes the opportunity to network from a very good internship is better than a paid internship. Right? Paid internship sometimes may be just a standard kind of procedure where you are cheap labor and there's no real opportunity to grow. Vice versa, sometimes an unpaid internship is one where they're looking somebody looking at somebody for potential despite being financially rewarded. So if you're going into the office at 8 o'clock three times a week and you're staying till just after 5 and you're busy working, you're doing, people see that. People see that potential. They see that drive. That may open up a greater opportunity for you than the person who goes in at 8 o'clock and says, it's 5 o'clock. I'm out of here. I only work till 5. That tells an employer also, oh, so you only work according to as long as you get paid. That's not the kind of culture. That's not the kind of team that we want. here. So those are just sort of outside of perspectives. But the volunteering and, um, is one aspect. And the internship, if you can turn something that you're volunteering consistently with to an internship opportunity where you now take on greater responsibility, you have a greater opportunity to, again, um, uh, acquire some skills, very practical skills. Uh, you know, if you, again, you after an internship opportunity in particular, you're able to now write down a little bit more about the specific responsibilities that you were in charge of. Again, all of this is important with regards to how you're leveraging that for an opportunity to be employed. Right? So all of those things are important. Um, again, uh, you know what you're responsible for with your uh, internship, uh, where it is, if you have the time, if you have the energy, if you have the commitment. Uh, you know, it's important. You also think about the entire environment, the work environment. Uh, I internship at American University in Washington, D.C., and I was a political science major as an undergraduate, like all the other students that interned at American University that semester, all political science majors, all of them, probably I would say 90 to 95% of them. Wanted to go to law school were expecting to go to law school. Some of them already had applications out for law school A few of them had acceptance to law school and they were doing this in their last year uh, so to complete their requirements for graduation, so I Knew after I did my internship that I did not want to go to law school it was just not something I was interested in because um, I got a feel for the environment on Capitol Hill Uh, I realized that they said on Capitol Hill or in that Washington, D.C. area, a a very dense area, they said every third person, one out of three people have their law degree. And it was an environment filled with very intellectually accomplished people. They had great sort of resumes, great backgrounds, and it was a very, very competitive place. And it wasn't the competition that I was afraid of. It was just the, uh, uh, it was just something about the, for me, um, very superficial way that politics worked that did not necessarily help those persons that were structurally disadvantaged over generations. And so it wasn't until I saw that. in a place like Washington DC where you have that kind of intellectually uh, accomplished people next to right next to adjacent to people that again are at the lowest uh, at the lower end and at, at some points the lowest end of society all around Washington DC in that area uh, so I said this is this is uh, this is something else uh, that I'm experiencing here, seeing things that disconnect. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. So, uh, yeah, yes. Washington, D.C. is a beautiful place known mm-hmm. as cho- a chocolate city, but there mm-hmm. are some very rough parts. And you would not think uh, in a country like ours, in the capital, that not too far from the capital, that there is a lot of, uh, how do you say, struggling communities. and when I was there, they said, be careful of the murder capital of the U.S. And at that mm. point in, in history, I did not know that. This was around the mid-'90s. And I said, how is it that you have all of these wealthy, accomplished politicians living in this space that are avoiding this certain area in this whole region here and this region is the murder capital in the U.S. I said, no, this is this is. How do you go from you know feast to famine, in terms of communities? Mm-hmm. And I said, and I said no. Nah, the, the law thing. I said this this path of, of this rat race to, to I said that's, I'm not interested in that. That's not so. Sociology found its way, um, was in my heart, but found its, uh, an academic path. It was open for me to begin talk about the disparities uh, in a much more deeper way. So, um, okay. so can I talk a little bit about uh, choosing classes in college? Um, sure. If, if that's a career path opportunity uh, that you say, uh, I want to do this, it requires you to have uh, a certain kind of degree in order for you to be able to be uh, employed. an employer is looking for somebody who has these skills and abilities that has ultimately uh, come about with the uh, completion of a degree, that you should think about your options. Uh, Identify all the requirements within a particular kind of major and make sure that that major, again, fits in a career path. So uh, the the people that say they want to be a journalist, uh, and so – they might have a school of journalism, if they don't have that at the university, they have a school of communication. You take different classes, you take classes in rhetoric, classes in speech, classes in developing and articulating. So there's all of these things that contribute to. If you say you want to be this person, these courses help to prepare you to be able to ask those questions, respond critically, be able to write effectively, report all kinds of articles. So it it really uh, makes you oftentimes and prepares you for a well-rounded opportunity if you are not, again, have the opportunity to be a journalist. You can be in the field of journalism and use all of those. So again, uh, identify your requirements, and uh, it's important that you check uh, all the courses that are available to you, and it's important that you think about while you have to take your majors, those required, um, it's important that you think about some courses that you're just interested in, you, if, to be able to handle the balance of courses that you are required to do versus, okay, I'm here, and I should be interested in college. The way you become interested in college is you take things that interest you. And so having a balanced schedule in that regard between requirement and interest is one And between also classes that appear higher on the registrars in terms of their numerical values, which are more difficult classes, junior, senior classes, balance those classes with somewhat easier classes that may be sophomore, junior level classes. So to to have proper balance between your desires and requirements as well as difficult courses uh, that, again, peers may have told you or capstone courses is required to a major, balance those. If you know you have two courses that are difficult, you should be taking two courses in conjunction with that that are not as difficult and should not be as strenuous. Right. So it's, it's important that you have some balance with your course load. Uh, for those of you that have taken AP classes, uh, Advanced Placement or uh, International Baccalaureate courses that can allow you to transfer credits in, Make Mm -hmm. sure you utilize those and push for those to be accepted because that now can cut off some time for many students. that means cutting off, uh, again, part of the loans. If you're able to complete complete college in three years instead of four, you save yourself a year of loans uh, if you have that opportunity. Uh, So, again, all the things that you've already accomplished, Push to see if those can count as credit. Right, and again, you have to do all that working with your advisor, checking with your advisor, telling your advisor, "Well, I took I took this in college, uh, but before college, I took this in high school, and I passed this entrance exam. I did this and I did this." So all of that's important as you select your courses. You talk with your advisor. You think about courses you've already taken. You balance your course load. And uh, last thing I have. To tell you is um, make sure that you create a schedule that works best for you, Uh, a schedule where you're not overloaded. It's important that you really don't take classes back-to-back, especially when you have to travel across a big campus. Give yourself time to eat. Give yourself time to review your notes. That may take an hour or two between classes, but those are opportunities to network. Those are opportunities to relax and rest. There's are opportunity to look over your notes. There's an opportunity to complete classroom assignments that, again, will put you in the best situation to be prepared walking into that class. So for those of you that are thinking that, oh, I take all my classes from 9 to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, and then you rush off to work, you're doing yourself an educational disadvantage by stacking your courses around a temporary kind of employment situation. As important as that employment may be, what you are supposed to obtain from your collegiate experience is much more important than the money you may make while you're working through college, because uh, these are things that if you have the right opportunity, they will want to know what you learned in that class and how you, uh, what you achieved in that class and how you can apply that, that place of employment um, and so just thinking of just taking classes and stacking them so you can do other things, not a good solution. A much more balanced approach in terms of scheduling uh, is important. So always uh, to have the best schedule, register as soon as possible. Uh, I'll tell you that, classes, filled, you register as soon as possible, as soon as possible. I'm
1: laughing because, <laughs> it, 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 you know, and I guess different things work for different people. I'm laughing because I did everything that you said not to do. <laughs> me too. Me
0: too. I. Me too. <laughs> me too.
1: I, I did. Yeah. I worked because you know after the first year and everything, you know there were certain there was certain finances that I had to start right. handling myself. Right. So mm-hmm. I I kind of had to work. One of the yeah. things that. I did um, – in high school, I took a lot of the business classes, so when I did get to college, I, the, I had the good fortune to work in, let's say, like office jobs like uh, the EEO office or the um, mm-hmm. uh, disabled services office and stuff like that, and, and got a chance to learn more about those particular um fields as well as just, you know, doing the filing and typing and all that type of stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But, it, right. you know, so it was a good opportunity. But, yeah, I mean, I had uh, semesters where I was taking classes on, let's say, Tuesday and Thursdays from 8 a.m. in the morning to 9 at night and working Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 8 to 5, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it <laughs> you know sometimes you don't know what you don't know,
0: right. but
1: you know. But, what, but it was what I felt yeah. like I had to do at the time. But yeah, I mean, you do kind of uh, you have to allow for certain uh, growth experiences uh, while you're in college too. That that is that are more than just in the classroom. Yeah. Too. So. Yeah. But we're going to take a quick break, our final break. We're talking with uh, Dr. Kenneth Sean Kaplan, uh, talking about this is Career Week here on G's Power Hour. And if you have questions in a few minutes, when we come back, the number is 516-387-1944, G's Power Hour, on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back.
2: This is Douglas Dobbs I'm Tim Garrison, and I think i found a way to help you understand what is chill-out jazz.
0: Some of y'all may be good, because of the style we choose. We make jazz and r&b, we don't categorize, we just want to sound good, baby. Is it jazz? It is what it is. Is it r&b? It
2: Tune in every Wednesday night at 10 on, on KM, KM Radio. Are you
1: Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us. Tomorrow, she is back. The warrior, princess, daughter of the Most High, immigration attorney Nadine Brown joins us tomorrow as we celebrate career week here on G's Power Hour. So make sure you join us at 1130 tomorrow, Eastern Time. And now we are back with Dr. Kenneth Sean Taplin, of John Carroll University and uh like I said you got a few minutes questions 5163871944 so uh, what is the thing that you really want to leave our listeners with in terms of you know helping those young minds kind of you know start you know getting on the right path you know mm-hmm. in terms of and especially if they, they've got an interest that they're really passionate about that they can cultivate and turn into a career.
0: Okay. Um, but they should think about um, – a lot of young men usually think about – and women think about a job, right? and a job is different from a career, right? A career has an opportunity for advancement and development, greater responsibility, greater accountability, Increase in pay, increase in status, right? All of these things are important. A job sometimes is something we do, and we turn and we think about our jobs as a career when they're not really a career kind of trajectory. So, and it's important that you think about a job differently than a career. Uh, like you, I also had a job in college. That job helped put money and food on the table, but that was not a career move. The career came after college, so so it's important that we we can know the difference now looking back at our own experiences, but a lot of young people think that the job that they have now, they can just spin that into a career. I said, well, you know, working at a fast food restaurant right now, I know you have plans for management and opportunities and all of those things, but you better wait in line and it's going to maybe take you a decade and you're going to be working hard and You may be burnt out and you may not uh, like the field anymore. It's important you think about that job uh, seriously in terms of if it offers you a career opportunity. And if it does, and if you like what you're doing as a job, then think about how you can turn that into a career opportunity. So uh, one example is uh, there was a barber that I used to go to when I used to visit South Florida, and he would cut hair and... um, he told me a little bit about how he started his barber shop and he cuts hair every now and then. He no longer cuts hair. He's in the barber shop. He runs the shop now. And so he says, I love cutting hair. There's nothing more than uh, you know, than giving a young man a nice fresh haircut. Right? That young people talk about is a crispy lineup, uh whether whether you have wage or whatever, whatever it is you have. And he enjoyed doing that, but he says, you know, this was not enough. This was not enough to pay the bills. You uh, know, I got kids now. You uh, know, I got a lady who's serious. And so he said, how can I turn cutting hair as a job into an opportunity to develop into a business? And so that's when he saved him, him and his significant other saved. Uh, they took a step back in terms of uh, the place that they were living. They invested in a shop. They hired barbers, new barbers, out of school, and they hired them per chair, and it worked out so much so that he opened a second shop a few years later. So, again, his love of cutting hair and his love of being in that environment now opened up an opportunity for him to see it as a full-scale business and so, he has no problem cutting hair, and he still loves cutting hair. But he's a businessman now, so all of those things are important. As you think about, uh, you know, what you love to do, how you can turn that into a more profitable venture. Um, so, all of that is important in, in terms of you know, how you advance from a job to a career. And so, um, they're very important transferable skills. Uh, many of them are called soft skills uh, that employers are looking for, the ability to take what you know and apply that to different fields. And also, for those of you that are in college and uh, graduate, for those of you who have not gone to college, either way, be teachable. Open yourself up to being teachable, to being able to take instruction and guidance and direction from others, particularly those that you have – come to sort of uh, fall below as, uh, as a mentor sort of mentee relationship. It's important you find mentors. It's important you reach out to people that are in the position that you want to be in and you say, well, how did you get here? What did you do? What was your pathway? I know my pathway may not look like that, but what were things that you did right? What is something that you did that it helps you advance to where you are because I want to be here. I want to be like you. I don't know how to get here. How do I get here? Help me. Help me. Tell me some things that I can do to help me be in the position that you're in. So, again, uh, to be teachable and also have and develop a mentor-mentee, good mentor-mentee relationship.
1: The other thing, too, we've just got to remind our adults, too, is to be Open when a young person approaches you because you don't know, and, and watch watch your behavior around our young people because you don't know. Oh, I, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me, um, and I have one young cousin that she was watching me. She, I, I when when I was in college, I brought her to stay overnight in my dorm room and she was watching me. She was observing. And she, cause, mm-hmm. because she has talked about her experience that one weekend that I brought her to the dorm room.
0: She, mm-hmm.
1: you know, and she has talked about just different things, you know, that I didn't know she was watching, you
0: mm-hmm. know. So
1: just remember to keep yourself open to these young people because you just never know um yeah. what 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 they're taking away from their encounter with you
0: hmm so, yeah. amen. amen dr
1: chaplin thank you so yes. much appreciate your time i'm got to call on you again soon i'm gonna I'll, I'll talk to you later about that but um uh. we're gonna have you back real soon but thank you so yeah, much for I'm taking good. the time you have a blessed day take care of yourself thank you, and you your for
0: having me i appreciate it thank you so much
1: always a pleasure and thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. Please be well, be safe, be blessed, and remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.